chapter 10, and I appreciate that good singing. Open your Bibles again to Acts chapter 10, and folks, if there was ever a sermon that you heard well, and a sermon I pray that uh, I, I, I won't preach it again here, um, but a sermon I pray that folks will listen to more than one time is the sermon I'm going to preach this morning. If you're not familiar with Acts chapter 10, I pray that at the end of the message today, you will be familiar with it enough that you will repeat the story and repeat what happens in Acts chapter 10. I ask for your undivided attention as I preach the message entitled, Good, but not good enough. Good, but not good enough. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray because I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, dear Lord, how important it is when we come to this place and this time of preaching the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to know the importance, the significance of the hour and of the event. And I pray that we would listen on purpose this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Acts chapter 10 is a very important chapter because it is a transition chapter. The first Gentile of a public ministry of salvation is in this story, and it is a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. The Roman army was divided in various ways and groups. For example, there was a group called a Roman cohort. C-O-H-O-R-T. It had about 600 men in that, and it was a tenth part of a military legion. A legion was a much, much bigger group. So you have a cohort, you have a legion, and then they were divided in companies, and they were typically divided in companies of 100 soldiers, which gives us the definition for the leader of that 100, and that is a centurion. And uh, the uh, name centurion, uh, the leader of a 100 group of men. Now these were uh, of the Italian group, the Bible says. Now the word band there doesn't have anything to do with music. It's not the music group. It is a, a group of soldiers. Are you with me this morning? And then the city of Caesarea, it was a largely Gentile city, not Jews, but Gentiles. And it was the seat of the Roman power in that country. Now, now you think America is divided today, the days of the gospel being the most powerful and the most effective were the days of division. Our problem today is not the power of the gospel, it's the laziness of men as far as believing and getting the gospel out. People will be saved if we get the gospel out. And they were in a day of division. You had the Roman Empire, you had the Jews, you had the Gentiles. Cornelius is a centurion. And he is the director of this group of Gentile soldiers of Italy. And the Bible says 
that he was a God-fearing man. Now, don't you miss what I'm preaching today. He was one of the Gentiles that was attracted uh, to, the, uh, to, uh, to Judaism. He was attracted to the moral, the ethical, and the spiritual aspects of Judaism. Many of these people attended the synagogue uh, to learn uh, the scripture. It would have been the law. It would have been the Old Testament. Uh, they were there to learn the law. Uh, they would, many of them, observe the Sabbath day. And some of them actually would observe uh, the Jewish dietary laws and other parts of the law. They would apply it to their Gentile lives. Uh, the Bible tells us about uh, three things about uh, uh, Cornelius. He was a man of faith. The Bible says he was a devout man. Now, now don't you stop listening to me. He was a man of faith. He was a man that feared God. The Bible says that Cornelius lived up to all of the knowledge that he had about God. And he was a family man. So he was a man of faith, a man of fear, and a man of family. The Bible said he feared God with all his house. Now this veteran soldier, uh, being a centurion, he is a veteran soldier. He's a well-trained leader. Uh, he uh, brought his family and those dependent on him to living in the fear of God. He was not a heathen man. He was not a part of what was going on as they would worship the pagan gods of Greece and Rome. If, uh, if they felt bad about a particular behavior, especially because of the Judaism, uh, they would name someone that would be their Roman or Grecian god and it would make it the sin good or make it right. And they would say, uh, we're worshiping this god by committing this act. Those were heathen people. Uh, Cornelius wasn't a heathen man. He was, in every imagination of that culture, he was a good man. But look at me. Cornelius had never been born again. He was a good man on his way to a devil's hell. And that's what chapter 10 of the book of Acts is all about. If you've ever heard me preach, if you've ever paid attention, pay attention to what the Bible says this morning. I'm not in any way preaching that would cause anybody to doubt their salvation. As simple as salvation is, as simple as God has made salvation, everybody ought to know they're on their way to heaven. Now, I grew up in a time or an era of time that I knew many good men. I'm talking about good men morally. I'm talking about good men as far as honesty was concerned. I'm talking about good men as far as hardworking and providing for their families. But the, but the major problem they had in their life, they'd never been born again. They'd never been saved. And Cornelius is a man that is a good man, but he's never been born again. Let me just give you a list of notes that I have written down about Cornelius from Acts chapter 10. First of all, he was a successful man. He was not just a veteran serving. He was a military leader. He was a man of influence. Others followed his character. Others followed his person. A centurion was of the most respected in the Roman 
an army. He had made a good life for himself and for his family. He was successful in every definition in that culture. A good man living in a heathen time, in this time of Roman rule. He's a good man. He is a successful man. Second of all, Cornelius is a moral man. From what we learn in Acts chapter 10, he lived a clean, moral life. He had a good reputation and, and, and with everyone, not just the Gentiles, but he was respected of the Jews as well. Now imagine, and more so in that day than now, uh, you, would, uh, you would not find any leaders of the Gentiles among the Jews, though they would come and they would sit in or around the back part of the synagogue so they could hear the teaching. And these Jews admired these men uh, and the gospel had not gone to the Gentiles yet. It's about to. Uh, but this is a man that is a moral man. He had earned the respect of the people. He was also a religious man. He wasn't just a good man, wasn't just a successful man. He was a religious man. The Bible says a lot about him. The Bible says he feared God. I've known a lot of people in my life that were God-fearing but lost men. They feared God, but they'd never been born again. And that's what Cornelius was. He was a Gentile who followed the Jewish religion. Went to the synagogue and to the best of his knowledge, he followed God. In fact, Cornelius' behavior as an unsaved Gentile was better than some Christians today. What a man. A good man. The Bible says, and we read right here in our text, he was a giving man. He, he, he wasn't just successful. He gave to others. He gave alms. He gave to a good cause. He was not a selfish man. He saw folks that were in need, and he helped folks that were in need. So he's a successful man. He's a moral man. He's a religious man. He's a giving man. And the Bible tells us that he actually prayed. He prayed to the God of heaven. He'd seen others pray. He'd heard others pray, so he prayed to God. He believed in God. He believed in prayer. And it's interesting what the Bible says about his prayer. It doesn't say his prayers were answered. He said his prayers were received or heard for a memorial unto him. God made note of this religious man, uh, but the Bible says, uh, as you read the chapter, though he was a man of prayer, he wanted to talk to God. He had never been born again. He knew what was right to do, uh, but Cornelius was a lost man. A model person, attained success in life, provided well for his family, lived a good life, well-respected, a good reputation, but never been born again. He was successful, but that's not enough to go to heaven. He provided for his family, but that's not enough to get a person to heaven. He had a good reputation. That's not good enough to get a person to heaven. He was religious. He prayed, he fasted, and he gave. But that wasn't enough to get him to heaven. He went to church. He worshipped. That wasn't enough to get him to heaven. He gave to others. But that wasn't enough to get him to heaven. He was good. 
but it wasn't good enough. Now listen, Jesus is the only way to heaven. John chapter 14, verse number 6, the Bible says, I am the truth, the life, and the way. But no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And Acts chapter 10 is divided into three parts. The second part, God begins to work on his preacher. And that's Peter, and that's found in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 21. Now, for sake of time, I'm not going to read all of that, as I do want to read the last part of chapter 10. But here's what happens. In chapter 10, verses 9 through 22, a preacher by the name of Simon Peter, he is a Jew, he's a Jewish preacher, and he had never given the gospel to a Gentile. Now, now, unless you understand scripture, you may not understand that, but the Bible was given to the Jew first. That was God's plan. And when we come to chapter 10, the Jewish preacher is called on to preach the gospel to everybody, and Peter is confused. And you'll find that God deals in the heart of Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 22. He had never given the gospel to a Gentile. And in these verses, you'll find, and I encourage you to read it, he had a dream. And he dreamed of unclean animals. You see, the Jews had a dietary law. And that dietary law was to let them know you're God's people. You belong to me. I want you to eat these things. And there's a list of things that you cannot eat. In Peter's dream, he dreamed of those animals that were referred to as unclean animals. Animals that God had forbidden the Jews to eat. Three times he has the same dream. And, and three times God told him to step outside of the norm of what he had been taught and he wanted him to learn a lesson and the lesson was for him to take the gospel not just to the Jew but take it to the Gentile as well. After this dream, Cornelius' men show up to where Peter is. Now, I don't know how well uh, you paid attention to all of the verses. And sometimes when, uh, when he leads us in the scripture reading, you'll think of one or two verses and not all of them. Uh, but I want you to notice what happens as we go back to our text verses in chapter 10, where it says that Cornelius prays, he fasts. And then notice what the Bible says in verse number 4. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. He tells Cornelius, Send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake to Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Now chapter 10 verses 9 through 22, God is preparing his, his preacher Peter. He said, I want you to preach now not just to the Jews, I want you to take the gospel 
to the Gentiles. I want you to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So all that is taking place in Joppa, and that's where Peter has these dreams. Now, after the dream, after the dream Peter has, Cornelius' men with the soldier, they show up where Peter is. Now, their, their responsibility is to get Peter and take him to the house of Cornelius. How many of you are still with me this morning? You, you're still with me this morning, all right? The Holy, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit tells Peter, I want you to go with these men. And Peter went and he spoke to Cornelius. Now I want you to go to verse number 39. There's quite the detail in this chapter, but I want you to go to verse number 39. And we are witnesses of all things. Let, let, let me just back up to verse number 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now what is he saying here? He is saying God no longer is sending me to just the Jews. He's sending me to the Gentiles as well. He's no respecter of persons. Peter understands that. Verse 35. But in every nation he, had, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now here's what he tells at Cornelius, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree. He is telling Cornelius that Jesus was the Christ and they took this good man and they crucified him on the cross. So he is now preaching or giving the gospel to Cornelius. Now look at verse number 40. How God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead or the living and dead. To him give all the prophets witness. Jesus is who the prophets were talking about. That through his name, notice the phrase, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now let me pause just for a moment, then I'll come back and read more. Cornelius was a religious man. He went to the synagogue. He read, he studied the scripture. He prayed, he fasted, he gave alms. But Cornelius had never heard the wonderful story that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And he was buried, but that he, he, he proved himself the Savior when he rose from the grave. And Peter said, I saw him. He rose from the grave and he sent us as preachers of his testimony of what he did and what he did to give the remission of sin for anybody, don't miss it, that will believe in him. Now you have to recognize there is a difference in believing that there is a God and believing Jesus is the Savior for our sins. 
you have to recognize you can't just believe there's a God and go to heaven. Cornelius is a good man, but he is bound for a devil's hell because he's never received Christ as his personal Savior. And that's what Peter came to do was to give him the gospel. Now let's go back to verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. That's talking about the Jews. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues or languages and magnify God. Then answered Peter... Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, I'll take these last ten minutes and I want you to hear me well. I fear that we have learned religion in America. And we've learned how to pray. We've learned how to give. We've learned to go to church. That is important. The Bible teaches us all of those things. Oh, but hear me well. As Jesus said to Nicodemus and preached the greatest sermon that was ever preached, he preached it to just one man. He said, Nicodemus, ye must be born again. There is a difference in believing there's a God in heaven. We must believe that Jesus is God's Son sent from God to pay for our sin. And our faith must be in the person of Christ to be born again. It is not a difficult thing. It is not a complicated thing. Oh, but listen, you must be born again. You can't just go to church. You can't just believe in God. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Nobody is ever good enough to be saved without salvation in Christ. Cornelius sounds like one of the best people we've ever heard of. People loved him. He treated everyone well. He was a man that prayed. He went to church. He gave. But God heard and saw that behavior. And he said, what this man needs is a preacher to preach this. Jesus crucified and risen for his salvation. I wonder if there's any in our family or our friends that are some of the best people that we know but they've never prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior. I wonder what Cornelius prayed. I, I don't know what he prayed but his prayers were heard for a memorial and God sent the preacher to give him the gospel. I want to say to you this morning and because of all these years that I have been preaching I have met hundreds of people that are actually members of a church but when I ask them the question are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven if you died today they would say I sure hope so. 
friends, salvation is not a hope-so salvation. Salvation is a no-so salvation because our faith is not founded on who we are or what we do. It's founded on Him and what He did for us on Calvary's tree and raising from the grave. Salvation is in Him and is in Him alone. Now close with this note. I want you to notice how God is working in this chapter. First of all, he's working in the heart of Cornelius. Cornelius is a religious man. Now, he's not trying to just be religious. He's not trying to be pious in his religion. He is sincere. God is working in his heart. And God is drawing him to himself. And all of these things, none of them are good enough for him to go to heaven. But God is working in Cornelius' life. I wonder if you're listening to me today here or watching me uh, somehow on television or internet. And, and, and God is working in your heart. And, and you are, uh, by all standards of our culture, you're a respected, successful, good person. But being a good person is not enough. I wonder if God's working in your heart in this matter of salvation. Second of all, I want you to notice that he's working in the heart of the preacher. When the day comes that the Holy Spirit stops speaking to my heart about being a witness for Christ, I pray that God will bring me to heaven. I am useless in this life unless I'm a light for Christ. I want to be a witness for Christ. God is working in the life of Peter. God is working in his life. He is working in his life of the importance of going uh, uh, to uh, Caesarea and giving uh, Cornelius the plain gospel of Jesus Christ. I visited with Brother Jim Barr on Friday. He has cancer. He's had cancer for some time. The doctors give him absolutely no encouragement, no treatment. Nothing they can do for him. Not a positive word. I anointed him with oil on Friday. And here's what I prayed. I prayed that God would touch him and heal him. And I said, Lord, I know this. This man has been and is a soul winner. And if you give him more time, more people are going to hear the gospel of Christ. That's the prayer I prayed Friday. And I've continued to pray and I believe that this morning. I wonder this morning if God's working in your heart. As he did in Cornelius' heart. And the angel came to him. By the way, you know what an angel is? An angel is a messenger of God. You know what the preacher is? A messenger of God. He said in the book of Revelation seven times to the seven churches and unto the angel of the church. You all didn't know I was an angel, did you? You shouldn't treat me so bad. Angel simply means messenger. And the messenger came to Cornelius. He said, Cornelius, you know a lot of things about religion. But you need to know more. Send men to go get the preacher. And let the preacher come and tell you the gospel. 
and Cornelius and his family not only trusted Christ, it was evident that the power of the Holy Spirit was speaking to their heart. And they not only received Christ as Savior, they followed him in believers' baptism. Cornelius was good, but he wasn't good enough. And nobody is. But thank God, he came to give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder this morning how many would say, Preacher, I have received Christ as Savior. I remember when I prayed to receive Christ as Savior. And on a Bible truth, I know when I die I'm going to heaven. Heads are bowed, or eyes are closed. Would you raise your hand and say, I remember I've trusted Christ as Savior. I'll raise my hands a testimony of faith in Christ. You may put your hands down. I'm not trying to embarrass. I'm a messenger. That's all I am. I can't save anybody. I can't make anybody get saved. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as Savior, you may be a good man or a good lady. But you must be born again. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that would say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I need to do that. I need to pray that prayer of receiving Christ as my Savior. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. There's a tugging, there's a pulling in your heart that says you need to do that. Would you let me pray for you this morning? Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, I need to pray that prayer and receive Christ. Would you raise your hand? Let me pray for you this morning. I won't call you out by name. I just want to pray for you. And now, Heavenly Father, I pray for those that may be categorized as a good successful, religious, giving person. But Lord, they've not received you as personal Savior. I pray that today they would do that, not only here, but those that are watching me around the country and even around the world. And I pray that we as Christians would not allow religious behavior to keep us from being faithful to give the gospel and what is required for a person to go to heaven. And I pray that you'd help us as Peter to be willing and to be ready to give the gospel. Bless our invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.